My name is Anthony McPhail. I was here for eight years on staff. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I started out as the worship leader in this very service uh, 11 years ago. Uh, I got I had the Matt Spinks job, but I had it before you had to have a cool haircut to be a worship leader. And so um, I got in just in time, uh, right before that threshold happened. But spent eight years here, the last five of which I was part of the pastoral staff and had the chance to uh, learn to love a lot of you folks. And so my, my just opening remarks are this. If, for those of you who have been here forever, keep making this place awesome. For those of you who have been here since I left, welcome aboard to a wonderful place to be and to call home. And if you happen to be visiting this morning, come back. I won't be here, but uh, come back next week because this is a wonderful place to lay down roots and to just encounter God week after week. And so we are thrilled to be here. I just wanted to share just a brief update for those of you who who might not have kept up with us the past few years. Uh, Last time we were here, this is last time we were here on this very stage um, with former senior pastor Tim Steven. Uh, Emma was very pregnant. Uh, this was eight days before we had our first child, and uh, we were getting ready to leave here and go to Centerville, which is in Centerville. And as we were getting ready to do that, and we were sent off, we, we had our first child, Everly Kate. And here we are, uh, about two and a half years after that picture, we took this picture, which is uh, us with our full family. Uh, Asher, our little boy, was born a little over a year ago. Everly Kate was born right when we left here. She's almost three. And this, this is us. This is who we are. And we still maintain a connection to Martha Bowman. My mom works in the preschool and MMO program here at Martha Bowman. And so I bring my kids on a fairly regular basis, three times a week usually, to be a part of that program. And, and one of the things that I have enjoyed about coming each and every day, other than my kids loving it and having a great time, is getting to know all the different people who work in the preschool program. And one of those people is uh, someone who brightens my day every time I show up, uh, and that's Dion. For those of you who know Dion, she is just always there. For those of us who have kids in the program waiting by the door, I'm usually pushing a stroller, dragging a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she comes running to the door to open it up. But as you've been moving through this series called Wilderness, you've been looking at some of the different wilderness stories of people from this congregation. And so we're going to watch a video just before we jump into our message this morning where you can hear a little bit about Dion's story. My name is Dion Delard, and I work here at the wonderful Martha Bowman Church. Um, I work with the nursery and preschool area. At the age of 48, I lost my husband. Um, In the beginning, it was a lot of shock, I guess, and I just sat and just in disbelief that it had actually happened. Although he had been sick for a while, it just was unexpected. Um, I felt a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of um, uncertainty, and not quite sure where my life was gonna go just thinking that there's no way I can live without this man. There's no way I can go through the next day. Just felt like a part of me was just that left when he left. Um, And knowing that somehow, some way, I had to take the next step. I had to go through the next day and the next day and the next month and even the next year. And that looked like darkness to me. And I really can't say that that was a wilderness. 
I really still am in that wilderness in a way because the memories, although they bring me a lot of joy and, and sometimes even peace, I'm still kind of in that, not knowing what each year holds. I think the, one of the hardest parts too was having to tell my 11 year old that her daddy was not coming home. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind as well. That was another part of the wilderness, just trying to be strong for her and talking to her and helping to counsel and comfort her as well. I believe that God really met me um, right after I started planning the memorial. And he really showed me his grace when I had to be taken to the emergency room. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I just felt sick and I felt like my heart was beating too slow. I couldn't breathe. It was just, it was really a hard time. And just lying there, just thinking about what would he want? And I think God really spoke to me in, in actually in my husband's voice telling me, this is not what I want for you. And I want you to go on, you have to go on. I know it's hard, but you can make it. Just focus on the Lord. Just focus on what Jesus has done for us. Just focus on the words in, in the Bible that we've talked about so many times. And that's what really helped me. And that's where I think that God's grace really came to me and, and helped me to take that next step. And then the next day came and I was praying and, and focusing more on, on God and His grace and His mercy and how He was keeping me and, and giving me a peace a peace that I thought I would never, ever feel again. And I can honestly say it was God's grace that helped me to, to get through it. And every day is a new day. And I take it one day at a time, one step at a time, one event at a time. And I really, really thank God for His grace in getting me through each and every day. My name is Dion Delard, and this is my story from the wilderness. been following along with some of these stories that have been posted on Facebook just to hear the stories of how people have experienced the wilderness. And there is a consistent theme throughout them, and that is that, that God encounters us in the wilderness. And as you've been looking at this idea of wilderness for the past few weeks, and we'll still be looking at it for another week or so, it, it's dealing with those moments that we go through where we experience God and then seeing what's on the other side. And this morning's message is one that really is what happens on the other side of the wilderness. Uh, it really would have gone better as the end of this series, but they didn't ask me. They just told me when to show up. And so um, I, I'm here when they told me to. But this idea of, of what happens when you get to the end of the wilderness journey, what happens next, and how do we experience God in that next step as we move out of the wilderness? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage from Joshua. And Joshua is in the Old Testament, and it is the story of what happened after the people left the wilderness as they got ready to go into the promised land. And, and the story of Joshua from beginning to end is about the nation of Israel leaving the wilderness behind them and making the promised land that God had promised in a covenant to them through their ancestor Abraham almost a thousand years prior, where they actually got to make it their home. And this story is an incredible one that shows us what happens on the edge of the wilderness as we get ready to emerge into the promises that God has for us. 
as we get ready to move beyond what we have experienced in the wilderness and for whatever new and next God is going to offer us. And it gives us an opportunity to think about what do we do when we want to see God move? When we want to see God do something in our lives, see God do something in the world around us, what do we do when we're on the threshold of that and we want to see God do something powerful? So we're going to jump in and we're going to look at this story. And it begins in Joshua chapter 5 is where we're picking up. And the people have, have crossed the Jordan River. They have gotten ready to go into the promised land. And as they are there, Something happens right before the first battle that they had to go through to to take the land to be their own. And it was this experience that they had on the plains of Jericho. This is what happens right before the Battle of Jericho. If you, those of you who grew up in the church might remember the Joshua for the Battle of Jericho, Jericho. Anybody? Okay. All right. So, and the walls came tumbling down. There you go. And so this is right before that. Right before that experience, right before they began to experience and taste for themselves what the promised land had to offer, there was a moment that they had right on the eve of that. And Joshua tells us, or the the writer of Joshua tells us, that as they were there getting ready to go into Jericho, they renewed their covenant with God. And the first few verses of chapter 5 are all about how the men who had been wanderers out in the desert, they participated in the covenant of circumcision, which was a, a ritual that was part of their commitment to God and part of their commitment to the covenant that God had made with them. And as they renewed themselves, as they renewed themselves in that moment, they got ready to go in and experience what was next. And we're going to pick up in verse 9, and verse 9 says that then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. So the place was called Gilgal as it is to this day. Now, this verse right here points out to us that this was a key moment. After they had gone through that ritual of renewal, after they had gone through the experience of reconnecting their covenant with God, the Lord says to Joshua, the disgrace of Egypt is now behind you. You might think of experiences you have had where you have gone through difficult times, where you have been captive to something, and what you need to hear is that message from God that the disgrace of your slavery, the disgrace of your past is behind you. That's what we experience when we experience renewal. We experience God doing something new in us, and with that comes the disgrace of the past being left behind us. And then it continues saying, The Israelites camped in Gilgal, and they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the plains of Jericho. And for those of you who are taking notes, this is the first thing that uh, you're, you're invited to take a look at. That as they did, as the Israelites camped, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the plains of Jericho. Then in this moment, God, they experience God's invitation to renew themselves. God invites us to renew ourselves. God invites us to, before we can experience God doing something, there's a moment of us renewing ourselves. Now, I want to share with you a a story of something that happened in my family a couple of weeks ago that I think really hits at the idea uh, of what we're talking about 
when we want to see God do something. Now, I mentioned that we have the, the two kids, Asher and Everly Kate, and Everly Kate has uh, this little obsession with the show. And, and a couple of weeks ago, you, you got the picture of the porch. Uh, I, I skipped over this, if you could go back to that. I, I got this picture from my wife, Emma. Asher was taking a nap, and Everly Kate and Emma were participating in a tea party on the back porch. You see our back porch there with a nice propane tank in the background. Um, give you a good look at that. And the picture came with this caption. My tea party partner had an emergency in the clinic. Oh, yeah. Now, my child, Everly Kate, has a mild obsession with a show called Doc McStuffins. Now, Doc McStuffins, for those of you who are unaware, is a show about a little girl who has toys, and whenever a toy is broken, she transforms into the toy doctor, and she is able to go and rescue the toys, figure out what's wrong, come up with the diagnosis. And as she comes up with the diagnosis, she solves what's wrong with them, and she's able to put them back together. And so she has such an obsession with Doc McStuffins that every day when we hop in the car to drive up to Macon so she can be a part of Martha Bowman's MMO program, she says, uh, I want to listen to Doc. I want to listen to Doc. And I made a deal with her about six months ago when this started. I said, when we get to the interstate, I just wanted to start my day with a little bit of peace and quiet. And I would say, when we get to the interstate, then we can hit play on Doc. So every day she knows, uh, she's going to ask as soon as we pull out of the driveway, I'm going to say, when we get to the interstate. Well, the problem with that, as my wife Emma liked to point out to me, is this, is that I'm on the regular road for about seven minutes, and then I'm on the interstate for 20. And she said, you should have reversed that deal. Said, we're going to listen to it on the way to the interstate, and then we have to listen to something else. And I said, it's okay. I like the experience of just starting out fresh, and then we move into the dock stuff, and then I can turn it off after I drop them off. Uh, sometimes I forget to turn it off, and it's still going. But I, it really hit home that I had made a mistake in my negotiations when we got ready to go to Florida for Thanksgiving. And I said, not until we get to the interstate. Oh, three hours on the interstate uh, of Doc McStuffins was going to be a little much. But she has this obsession with this show that's all about fixing broken toys. And I think within her, there is a desire that's within a lot of us. And that is to see broken things made whole. Now, she's almost three years old. She has the same attitude that I think a lot of us have towards God. And it's not, not a perfect example, but just work with me on this for a second. When something is broken and she snaps into dock mode and she wants to fix it, there's one of two solutions to that. Either mommy, daddy, you fix it, or I'm going to do it all by myself. And I think the way that a lot of us approach God is that we approach God with that same mentality. We approach God and say, I, just you take care of it, or I'm going to do it all by myself. No in-between. And what God desires for us is really that we would work together, that we would experience that partnership with God. And as we experience that partnership with God, we can start to see broken things made whole. And this passage in Joshua, I think, really explains what it means to partner with God. As they renewed themselves there on the plains of Jericho, as they experienced renewal, 
God began to do a new thing within them. And, and this idea of new things is one that we hear in the New Testament as well, a familiar passage that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. Think about the disgrace of the old things, the disgrace of the things in our past. Those things have gone away, and as those things have gone away, look, new things have arrived. As we sang at the beginning of our service this morning, trading the old for the new, experiencing the power of God doing something new within us. And often the beginning of seeing God do something big is us going through that experience of renewal ourselves, of claiming that God created us to be a new creation and through the the salvation of Christ, through the, the salvation that we are offered through the cross, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are offered the chance to experience new life. And for the Israelites, there was that moment of going through renewal that put them right on the edge of them being able to be a part of God doing something new in them. And this idea, we we have a little service at our church where we're able to text the congregation. I don't know if Martha Bowman has anything like that, but uh, at our church, we we can text the entire congregation. And, And a couple of weeks ago, we texted out a question that was, where do you want to see God move? And the responses we got were, I would love to see God fix all the evil in this world. I'm able to check these on my phone. Somebody said, I don't even know where to start. And the reality is that we all have a desire to see God do new things, to see God make broken things made whole. We just don't always know where to start. But for the nation of Israel, before they entered into the promise that God had for them, It started with them renewing themselves, them experiencing renewal for themselves. And then the story goes to the next part, and this may seem like they are just covering insignificant details, but something powerful happens in these next couple of verses that if we lean into it, we can really see what God is saying through these verses. It tells us on the very next day after Passover, they ate food produced in the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Okay, so on the very next day, after the Passover, after they have gone through this remembrance of what God has done for them, after they have renewed themselves through the the ceremony of the circumcision and they have made their covenant new with God, after all this, on the very next day after the Passover, they ate food produced in the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped on that next day when they ate food produced in the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. And so that year they ate the crops of the land of Canaan. Now this might seem like just an insignificant detail. Okay, cool, they're eating real food now. Uh, And you may be wondering to yourself, I don't even know what manna is. Now manna was, it, it literally in the Hebrew means, what's that? That, that, is, that is what it means. What's that? And the, what it was, was it was this bread-like substance that would come falling out of the sky that God would give to them every single day. And it would come down while they were wandering in the wilderness, and they would get their what's that for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner. And that's what they lived off of. That was their sustenance. That was everything that they had. But as they get ready to go into the promises that God has for them, 
God invites them not to keep living off of what's that falling from the sky. God invites them to take part in something, to partner together with God's creation to grow food for themselves. Now, anyone who is in agriculture uh, would understand this, that there is only so much that you as the farmer or the gardener can do. A lot of it depends on God doing the work. A lot of it depends on God providing the right weather conditions, God providing the rain, God providing the sun, the soil being fertile enough to, to make it grow. But it's a partnership that takes place between us and with God's creation. And so much of what God desires for us is that we would partner together with God to see things made new to see things come to fruition, to see things happen in a way that, that are powerful as we partner together, as we do our part and allow God to do his part. It's not a mommy, daddy, fix it, or a, I'm going to do it all by myself. It's how can we work together with what God has given us the opportunity to do in order to experience something new and something that is full. They could have kept living off of, what's that? But instead, God invited them to see something better. And they lived off the land. They partnered together with God. And what they experienced in this was they experienced God's invitation to reclaim opportunities. To see how God was inviting them to not just do things for themselves, not just experience God doing things for them, but to experience the opportunities that God offers us to partner together with his creation and to partner together in his desire to make broken things whole and to make all things new. I heard a sermon on this passage about 10 years ago, and the title of it was this, From Wanderers to Warriors. And the pastor, it was this prophetic message that he gave. He said this was the moment where they moved beyond the threshold of being wanderers in the desert, and they moved into the experience of being warriors. And there, there are some powerful things you can experience with that. A, a wanderer wanders around waiting for bread to fall from the sky. A warrior is ready to partner together with God to see what can be brought forth from the ground. A wanderer just keeps walking around in a circle for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness and wallowing in their self-pity. But a warrior is ready to take hold of what God has in store for them. And the argument made in this message that I heard a decade ago was that we, in order to experience God's renewing of all things to experience all that God has for us, we have to ourselves take that step of moving from wanderers to warriors, of getting to that place where we're ready to take charge and to take partnership with God, where we are ready to experience what God has given us and to see our role in it and to see the ways that we can work together with God's creation to make something happen, to make something incredible happen. Now, Paul, when he is talking about that idea of us being a new creation, this is what he says in the very next verse, that our experience of being new creations in Christ leads to this very next verse, and it's this, all of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us, that doesn't say that God just had this ministry and he was going to do it himself, but he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the opportunity to be a part of the reconciling of all things, 
to be a part of seeing new things happen, to be a part of new things being experienced, to be a part of this new creation where the broken are made whole, where those who are lost are found, those who are sick are healed, and those who are are wandering become warriors and partners together in God's ministry. And what this is is that we experience that God invites us to reconcile others. God invites us through our experience of being made new, we are invited into the opportunity to be a part of opportunities to reconcile others. It's not just a, what are we going to do? What do we want God to do? But it's what is God doing and how is God inviting us to be a part of that? And what God has been doing from the creation of the world until now and will continue to do is seeking those who are broken and seeking to make them whole. And this is the, the joy of it all. We get to be a part of God's renewing of all things. We get to be a part of it. We get to experience in our lives, we get to experience what it means to partner together with God and to see broken things made whole, to see those who are lost be found and those who are wandering become a part of God's kingdom. We get to be a part of that. Now, this idea, uh, admittedly, of, of you go through an experience of renewal, you, you, you claim the opportunities that God has provided for you, and then you're, you're a part of reconciling others. It could seem a little abstract. So let, let me just share with you just a couple of things that, that I have seen of how this plays out. I remember uh, having this conversation a couple of years ago with a, a few different people. And in that conversation, we talked about how the 1990s was, was a powerful time for a lot of people spiritually. It was a time when a lot of people had renewal in their lives. They had renewal in churches. Uh, many of you who are a part of this congregation, you, you came in the 90s. This was a time of great growth for this church here on the corner of Bass and Forsyth. And I thought that it was just something that I had experienced on my own because it was a formative time for me. I was a new Christian. But as I started having conversations with more and more people, I realized that God was doing something powerful and new in the 1990s. And I started kind of looking back on some of the things that I experienced and heard stories about, about how God was doing something new. And, and there was one example that, that really came to my mind that I thought just had this powerful way of showing what it means for us to experience renewal and through our experience of renewal to move into the opportunities that God provides for us that we can live into the restoration of things and the reconciling of others. And and there was a campus ministry that that I was a part of when I was a student at the University of Georgia. But in the 1990s, they experienced just incredible, unprecedented growth. Those of you who've been around here for a while might remember Bill Tanner, his older brother Tom, was the director of the Wesley Foundation at Georgia at the time. And when Tom got there, Tom, Tom was so effective. He was so effective, such an incredible pastor. He showed up and he grew the ministry literally overnight from 50 people to 25. Uh, I mean, it was just absolutely incredible, uh, the impact that he had when he went in there. But it, it, was, it was just kind of, all right, we're to rock bottom. Where do we go from here? And through that ministry, God doing a new thing, people started encountering God. People started experiencing renewal in their lives. And it led to some just incredible things that happened on the campus of the University of Georgia. 
didn't help the football team, but it, it, it really, God was doing incredible things um, through that ministry. There, there was a young lady who was a student that uh, called herself an atheist, and her mission was to argue with any Christian that she could get in front of. And when she saw that things were happening at this ministry, she decided, I'm going to go and I'm going to argue with the director. And so she would stop by on her way to class, and she would go in and would argue with Tom and, and would say everything that she thought was wrong about Christianity. And, and in the process of her arguing with him, she figured out that she wasn't willing to argue anymore. And God wrecked her life and wrecked her in such a way that it gave her this passion where she is now living on the other side of the world in India, running an orphanage, where she is seeing broken lives be made whole because her life was broken and God made it whole as people were moving through this experience of renewal. 